You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Welcome to Real Vision. It's Friday, February 5th, 2021, just after market close in New York. This is the Real Vision Daily Briefing. I'm here today with Rao Pal, CEO and co-founder of Real Vision and Birthday Boy. Happy birthday and welcome, Rao. It's always good to be here, especially on my birthday. <laughs> Indeed. Rao, so much going on right now. Let's just dive right in. You made the case last Saturday uh, for your piece uh, about the perfect storm that you saw potentially gathering, effectively a time of rising risk. Rao, what's your view today? Now, the S&P bounced off the 50-day moving average um, and bond deals backed off the same trend. Had either of those broken, it would have been bad. That has not changed the outlook that risk, we need to be on high alert for risk, whether it comes now or in the next four weeks. I, I really fear that it's coming. Just to quickly recap, the market is record long retail investors, record long trading in pink sheet speculative stocks, record long call options. The market makers are record short option gamma. Um, bond traders are record short 30-year bonds. The market is record short the US dollar. The market is uh, mutual fund managers are record um, low cash um, allocations. The hedge funds are record long net uh, and gross exposure. Um, the market has the lowest on record short interest as a percentage of market cap in history. If anything goes wrong, could it be rates go higher? Could it be something in the plumbing breaks is almost broke last week? Could anything happen here? Could it be from a rise in deaths from COVID that's unexpected because new variants? Could it be anything? I don't know what it is, but could it be because the dollar goes strong? We need to be very careful. And I remain on high alert for all of this. And so much so that um, we put together a piece for Real Vision over two weeks. Well, I want to drill other people's opinions on all of this. And it's it's called, essentially, is everything a bubble? And really, it's to look at that. And is that even the right question? Is the secular shifts? We need to know the answers. We've got the best people in the world answering them. Everybody from... Mark Cuban to Lynn Alden to, I mean, Lacey Hunt, you name it. It's probably the biggest single lineup of guests in Real Vision history coming up in two weeks. It's ludicrous. And if they don't give you some answers, nobody can. Yeah. And by the way, just to pick up on this, the 50,000 foot overview, us taking a look at what's happening in markets, Weston Nakamura of Real Vision Exchange just published Inside the Hive Mind for February. This is our monthly overview of the activity within the exchange. This month is especially significant given all that's happened in the Reddit community. Weston writes about the differences and the similarities between Wall Street Bets and the Real Vision Exchange, available now to download in PDF format on the exchange. 
fascinating to see is we've changed some of the UX on the website so people see some of the conversations on the exchange. The exchange usage is exploding. I mean, it's it's huge now. I mean, about thirty percent of the customer base is now starting to use it on a weekly basis, and I think it's only going to grow. So, you know, Western is doing a great job corralling conversations. There are people interviewing each other on the exchange. There's experts on the exchange being interviewed by exchange members, Real Vision members. There's people publishing research reports, pointing you to news flow, answering questions, asking questions. The exchange is truly something special and it's only going to keep growing so yeah check check it out please do uh, and western's the, the kind of hive mind piece is always brilliant yeah and i say this in a totally objective way there really isn't anything quite like it anywhere else i think it's something that we've done at real vision uh that's just ahead of the curve and it's fascinating because it leverages the power of our network all the subscribers who we have uh, who are frequently experts in their own fields. I'm consistently impressed. Uh, if you read the comments on Real Vision Daily Briefing, which I encourage you to do, just go out and see some of the analysis that some of our subscribers have provided. <laughs> really incredible stuff. Yeah, because the idea behind the hive mind is everybody's an expert on something. So some of those people are financial market professionals. Other people operate in the real world in different jobs where they bring a perspective that we don't have. That is unique. That is an expert network. Um, and it's available for all of us. And so your opinion within that network is valid too. So anybody should go in there saying, hey, listen, I'm thinking about this. What do you think? Or here's my piece of research, or I've made a video where I talk about this. And you will get incredible responses, thoughtful answers, and great conversation, and you'll meet some super interesting people. Yeah, Raul, while we're in the business of summing up, yesterday, the BlockFi event, Really interesting. We, you and I actually uh, had a, a panel uh, with Mark Yusko of Morgan Creek Capital Management. Uh, I thought one of the most extraordinary views uh, on Bitcoin, because it's something that we've been talking about a lot lately, which is the union of macro uh, and digital assets. And this idea that the mindsets, that the worldviews of those two places are coming together, a really intriguing conversation. Yeah, that's why 30,500 people joined that event. I still don't know of a bigger crypto event except our crypto gathering, which was about 9,000. So I think we're setting records for the number of attendees for crypto events. Uh, we've got another even bigger one planned. But this BlockFi event was really special. And again, I love it when the macro guys are there with the crypto guys uh, because these worlds have collided. You know, when monetary policies got to its end game, and as we saw from the GME Wall Street bet situation and the Robin Hood situation is the plumbing is still an issue. Nobody knows who owns what, who owns what collateral, who owns, you know, who owns how many shorts, how many shares there are in certain companies. Now, all of this, it all needs to go to blockchain. All of this world is hurtling together. So, you know, it's super exciting. It, it does. It's, and what's lovely about it is the price action is exciting too. So you get the double adrenaline hit of the knowledge, change, and um, price action. Yeah, exciting in the same way that skydiving is exciting. Yeah, it's like terrifying and exciting. <laughs> you know, and then we've had on Real Vision, I thought was interesting is, you know, Travis, our president, has been more concerned about certain risks in crypto. So he... As I've, you know, I spoke to one of the world's most famous hedge fund managers this morning. We've been swapping emails for a week. I mean, he's very nervous about Tether. Um, and I'm really proud of the fact that we brought a piece around Tether. We had the debate between um, Pomp and, um, and uh, Mike Green. 
you know, the pros and cons of crypto, bringing both sides of the discussion to, you know, we want to prove that this platform is not just about cheerleading. It's yeah. about understanding the whole space and the risks included. You know, that's the reason why when I speak on Real Vision, I speak as Ralph from Global Macro Investor, like my warning piece. That's me as an expert, just giving my view that, it could, that there could be issues. Other people will have different views and we accept them all. So Real Vision's view is not, you know, there's a massive risk event. Real Vision doesn't have a view. Real Vision's view is not that Bitcoin takes over the world. Real Vision doesn't have a view. So we accept and encourage all of these views, and it's super important. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Yeah, Ralph, to pick up on that, two important points. Uh, first, on Tether, I had a very detailed conversation that's being released on Monday uh, with Daniel Corey of Coindesk, who's done extensive research uh, on Tether. He's actually spoken uh, to some of the folks at Tether. Uh, and this is, it's really great work. He's blurring kind of the lines between journalism and research. Uh, and we do a real deep dive conversation with Daniel on Monday. Cut, we'll cut to the chase. Good or bad? I mean, it's a nuanced view. Let's let's frame it that way. I mean, look, I think that there are there are clearly people have been expressing concerns about this for a long time without taking an opinion myself. Look, the the uh, you know the, the the New York State Attorney General is investigating. I believe DOJ has got an active investigation. This is something that a lot of people are looking at. There are clearly some concerns out there. Uh, Daniel and I have that conversation. We explore it in depth on Monday. By the way. Uh, talking about some of the other issues that we mentioned, uh, some of the back office uh, plumbing issues, talking about some of those critical regulatory and legal issues. Uh, yesterday, I'm not sure when it's coming out on the platform. I hope it's soon. Uh, but 7 p.m. yesterday, I sat down with Caitlin Long, who is, uh, I call Caitlin a triple threat. She's an incredibly smart Harvard-educated lawyer. Uh, she spent 20 years on Wall Street, and she's a true digital crypto native. Uh, with Caitlin Long and uh, current SEC Commissioner uh, Hester Peirce, a really incredible conversation to listen to two brilliant lawyers uh, talk about the, the framework that people like us who are in the financial side don't maybe think of. What's the legal framework that supports this system? What are the risks? What are the possibilities uh, to change, to improve, to do things like putting in digital ledger technology, uh, to do some of the back office record keeping functions, uh, talking about things like what is and what isn't a security. That seems to be a pretty popular topic with uh, regard uh, to one cryptocurrency that starts with an X. Uh, and all of these questions that sort of converge and come together. And also, I think the really fascinating thing uh, to have a regulator and an entrepreneur uh, talking together about ways um, that markets can be made more stable, ways to improve transparency, liquidity, using technology. That's not something you generally hear out there in the world. Our mental view as regulators are generally there to say no. Uh, entrepreneurs are trying to find ways to say yes. I thought it was a fascinating conversation. Yeah, look, I think the, I think the regulators are trying to find a way of saying yes, but need to figure it out. So they're seeking advice, which I think is incredibly encouraging. Um, so, um, and what's weird is normally you wouldn't care about derivative paperwork and legal rulings and stuff like that, right. but these are 
potential speed bumps that can slow the path down or speed it up. So it's actually very important um, for people to, to just have a basic understanding of the regulatory hurdles, what's acceptable, what's not acceptable, because a lot of people are building businesses. And also a lot of people on the Real Vision platform are institutional asset managers, hedge fund managers, and others. And for them, it matters importantly because they have a fiduciary duty to their investors to make sure they're com compliant. So it, it's important stuff. And I actually find it really interesting. I mean, Caitlin is one of the smartest, most interesting people I know. Yes. Um, and so I always listen to her. Yeah, an extensive commentary on exactly that, the ERISA obligations with regard to fiduciaries. Uh, really interesting conversation. This is a, a deep dive conversation uh, that you're probably not going to hear anywhere else outside of dedicated legal uh, publications. And we try very hard to make it accessible because I'm not a lawyer and I didn't understand a lot of it. So I asked uh, Caitlin and Commissioner Perth <laughs> to explain to me, which was very helpful. Good. I'm excited. So, Raul, what else is on your mind? Um, my mind, as I said, I'm still concerned about risk. And, you know, I gave that long shopping list of things. I'm going to add to it. And people don't aren't used to DMARC. And we're actually building out an entire DMARC training program for people as well uh, with Tom DMARC himself, hopefully. Um, that I have DMARC sell signals on, this is a, a form of technical analysis. I have it on the S&P on a month, on a yearly, monthly weekly daily basis so we have like a perfect set of sell signals i've literally never seen in my career can they all fail and we have another blow off top of course it's possible but with that plus all of those record positionings and some unknowns out there we just have to be really really cautious so again i i want to stress that you know this is not about capitalizing on a potential event yet. It's first about just making sure everyone's risks are aligned. They've got some hedges on. They understand the risks that are out there. Um, if things change and price structure change, can we make some money to offset other losses or just purely make money? Yes, probably. People always ask me, is it going to hit crypto? And the answer is possibly. But, you know, we've, we're up about 100% in the last six weeks. So if it falls 30%, it's no great shakes. Um, so... Um, just that's on my mind. Um, the other thing that's on my mind is uh, alt season and watching the riskier end of the cryptocurrency market start to explode. There's a lovely chart which you get on CoinMarketCap. Uh, Trading View is an easy place to see it of um, of uh, Bitcoin dominance and basically. What that is, as that starts breaking down, and there's a lovely trend line from the from the low from the last time we had the massive rally, it's about to break that trend. What that usually means is Ethereum, which is the next least risky of all of crypto, tend to tends to rally. That broke its base pattern against Bitcoin um, over an extended period at 0 0.04. Um, that's breaking out, so it tells you Ethereum should break out. The next phase is people start looking at the riskier end of the curve, which is the other um, basket of, of uh, alternative currencies. Now, I'm, I, I bought them um, myself personally and put a trade recommendation out for Global Macro Investor. I haven't done it elsewhere. A, it's riskier, and B, because I don't want to be the guy 
pumping the smaller liquid stuff because I don't think it's right for me to do so. So I don't reveal a basket, but people can build their own baskets of stuff. But the point being is those things are starting to massively outperform now. I mean, it, on a day that Ethereum's up 10%, those things are up 30% and Bitcoin's up 5%. That is the risk curve as people get settled into a trade and start going up the risk curve. So I'm watching that with real interest. Um, it's a fascinating, fascinating thing. Um, and I think it should be incredibly rewarding for people to play. Just realize that it's an adult market. It can be very volatile. It's pretty dangerous. So size your risks accordingly. Yeah, it's so interesting also from that perspective to think about it from the perspective of longer term investors and also from traders, which is obviously a place where people are going right now because they want that volatility. That's right. And, you know, I've explained before uh, on this show particularly is that there are asset allocations about three things. Liquidity preference, time preference, risk preference. That's your bucket. You start with, I want to take a bet in the cryptocurrency markets. Where do you start? Bitcoin. Why? It's the most liquid. So if you're wrong in your initial thesis, you can get out quickly. Least damage. The next thing is, what time preference do I have? Do I want to hold this trade for a long time or not? So trades you're comfortable with where you know the story, you've done your homework, you tend to be able to hold them longer. So Bitcoin and Ethereum fit in that picture. Ethereum is less liquid than Bitcoin, so it doesn't fit the ultimate liquid part. And then so Ethereum starts fitting into, it's relatively liquid, well, it's very liquid, and it has a longer time preference. The next part is the risk preference. Okay, the trend's now set. You've got your two core bets. The next part is, do I want to add more risk to my bet to juice the alpha? And that's how we think about everything. In, in, in asset allocation. It applies to emerging markets. It applies to real estate. It applies to any single thing that you want to do. Um, it's always around those kind of things. Yeah. And of so, course, for example, another way of looking at it is at the simplest level, let's say you're a pension fund and your benchmark is the S&P 500. Well, so liquid, ultra liquid, um, safe position is to own the S&P 500. You might think, I want to overnight technology stocks, and I can hold those for a period because I think we're in a good long cycle, or commodity stocks. So you buy some of those, and then later you might say, I'm going to buy a basket of these names, and I might do some VC bets as well in this. And then you're going further out the risk curve. You sit in the credit markets, you sit in the bond market. Everybody operates in the same way. It's normal. Yeah. It's, not, it's not shitcoin pumping. It's just risk allocation. Yeah. And by the way, we're, of course, talking about general markets. We're doing general market analysis. If you have any questions about what your own individual suitability is, risk tolerance for sizing those positions, talk to a financial advisor, not a substitute. Yeah, we're not the place for that. We're the place to think the way through your investment structure and yeah. hypotheses. Well, talking of which, I want to get back to something that you said earlier. Uh, one of the uh, earlier uh, conversations that we had in this in this uh, discussion, you began by listing some of the market fragilities that you saw, things that you identified, very specific points, and you went through it and you walked us through your thinking. You know, sometimes, Raoul, when I talk to you, I often find uh, that some of the things that I find most helpful and useful in your analysis uh, are the things that you find too obvious to say. But I'm curious if you could unpack for people, because I think this is such an important point. None of us has a crystal ball when we look ahead to markets, but talk about what it means to identify fragilities in a market and how you think about what that means for the future. Uh, you and I had this conversation on your podcast, actually, which will yep. be out in a couple of weeks. 
it's all about the knock-on effects. What you need to understand is if if there's a big long or short position somewhere and that gets blown up, does that have a knock-on effect? Maybe, maybe not. Right. We saw it interestingly in game in GameStop. Yes, it did have a knock-on effect. The DTCC, the cust- uh, the clearing and custody knocked on the door and said, um, exchanges, we need more money. There's too much risk-taking going on, and you can't cover your margin here. So they pulled it. You know, there was a stopping of trading. So that has implications. But all of these things that I'm – yes, and I reel these things off without realizing people go, well, what does that mean? What it means is there are knock-on effects where you could cascade risk. So if somebody somewhere, some butterfly somewhere flaps its wings, let's say bond yields spike. Or let's say the US shuts down for COVID. Or let's say China invades Taiwan. Or let's say anything, whatever it is. Or it could just be somebody gets into trouble or somebody has bad earnings. You never really know what starts these things. Right. But considering everybody is all on that side of the boat, hmm. the first person's going to go over here and the other guy's going to go, I better go over there because the boat's doing this. So the boat's like this because everyone's over here. They all run to the other side. They could sink the boat. Yeah. Um, it's because everybody gets pushed out of their positions at the same time. And that's what I explained before. If volatility rises and stays higher for an extended period, call it a week, it tends to be contagious because everybody thinks I better reduce risk somewhere. So they start reducing other risks. They take profits in other stuff. And before you know it, everything starts moving. And then when they start moving, it moves it on other people and their risk managers tap them on the shoulder and said, you need to cut your risks. When everybody is record long risks, there's a lot of selling needs to be done. That's my concern here. In the bond market, everybody's betting on high yields. So something could upset that bet too, or everybody's betting on lower um, the lower dollar. Anything can upset this this mix here, but the real risk is in the equity market, where literally everybody is one way. So it's joining the dots knowing that these are all connected. These are not single data points. Right. This is not this is not some random roadmap. This is these things are all joined. And if you drop one domino, there's a cascade of risk that can happen. So that's why these kind of situations really interest me because A, they're they're fascinating to watch uh, and they're dangerous when they happen. They're also immensely profitable if you get the right side of them. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Ralph, when you say it, it sounds very elegant, but for someone who's never worked inside a bank, never worked inside a hedge fund, can you walk us through an example of how that can unwind? Yeah. So a similar situation as GameStop happened in to Volkswagen. Mm-hmm. 
people have talked to talk to this, the shortwaves. And that, I believe, was Porsche trying to take over Volkswagen. And they did it by buying call options. And what happened was, I believe it was, I believe that's how they started it. This massive position. But essentially, what happened was it triggered, was it? Was it them? They were buying call options. They started driving up the price so they could say, well, we bought it lower down. We bought the options. But what happened was the hedge fund community was had a bet on the biggest equity arbitrage bet in the world, which was long Volkswagen preference shares and short VW ordinary shares because they're very similar and they trade at a bit of a gap. So they arbitrage them. They stop them going too far apart. But they're, they're slightly different shares. They have a different voting rights and stuff like that. But what happened was the ordinary shares started going up because of this purchasing. Then all the stock borrow got pulled. So there's no ability to borrow. So every one of these hedge funds in the middle of the crisis in 2008 now cannot cover the position. And Porsche is trying to corner the whole thing. And the, VW becomes the most expensive company on earth over this because of this technical position where every hedge fund in the world is now getting stopped out. So that's the so so if you think the first order effect is Porsche is trying to take over VW, it ends up getting bought by VW at the end of this, by the way. But they try, uh, you know, it, was, it happens the other way around. But they try this this really daring takeover. They then cause a liquidation of hedge fund positions. That causes a liquidation of all hedge fund positions. The prime brokers now have a huge problem because these massive, what are deemed to be high, low risk, low volatility arbitrage trades have now become massive, high risk, high volatility trades of which nobody can get out of the risk. So the prime brokers are, shit, we need to raise margins. We need to tell these guys that they're going to have to pay us more money. The hedge funds now have to scramble for capital. The prime brokers are going, if we're not in trouble, we're going to go bust. And we're already under stress because of the financial crisis. There's no capital available. And we didn't think this was going to be a problem. And now it's a huge problem. So they're scrambling around for capital. What happens is eventually first bond yields rose. Why? Why would bond yields rise in the middle of a recession, in a massive crisis? Well, because everybody was liquidating their bonds to pay their bills. And then what happened was that was over. Everyone was like, panic. And bond yields fell at the fastest rate at the entire 2008 period. And, you know, the Fed, everybody had to keep easing into this because this was about to freeze up the system yet again. So a simple takeover in Germany almost brought down the world hedge fund system. We saw that with long-term capital management. And these are just leveraged hedge fund, hedge fund versions. There are many other versions of this where risk can spread fast. COVID back in March was exactly one of those. The market was too long risk going into an event that it hadn't looked at. But for anybody watching China and the spread to Italy, you should have had the light bulb moment is, oh, this could knock on to the US and Europe. And if it does, what will it do? That was, I did that on Real Vision. I talked people through it at the time. Is if this happens, then this could happen. If this happens, then 
X panic. And so that's what these things are all about. So there's millions of historical precedents of these things. The long-term capital one was so bad that the Federal Reserve had to come in, cut interest rates, bail out the system. All the banks had to bail out long-term capital. It was an ugly mess. And that was coming out of the Asian crisis when everybody's balance sheets were impaired anyway. So these are why I watch these things. Yeah. Yeah. A financial market case study uh, at 4.30 p.m. on a Friday, not to put you on the spot, Rob. <laughs> uh, Rob, as we digest all of this, we've talked about a lot of different themes here. We've talked about a lot of different markets, a lot of different asset classes. Uh, how are you going to contextualize next week? What are you going to be looking for? Um, I'm just watching. Yeah, I'm not an active participant in anything. I've got my crypto positions. I'm watching the bond market, watching the equity market, watching the dollar. So my next week is watching. Uh, and I urge everybody to do the same. Yeah. Ralph, final thoughts. I thought you were going to give me final thoughts. Um, I have no real final thoughts except there may be drama around coming up. But at the end of this is something I've talked about. At the end of this is a reflation that is global growth. There are some structural changes and there are huge opportunities. So remember that, that, you know, while everybody's locked up at home and everybody's pissed off and everybody's had enough of this and rails on talking about risk. And that's the last thing I want to know about. Give me the bright side. As I said, we're going to have some big opportunities and things like emerging markets are, are definitely going to be one of them. Um, and so, you know, things feel a bit doom and gloom right now, unless you're in crypto, in which case it's felt amazing. But, you know, we will end up also feeling doom and gloom. You know, that's, as Tether goes bust, the U.S. shuts down the use of Bitcoin and and the Chinese miners take over the world and quantum computing comes out of force all next week. Then I, too, will be looking at doom and gloom. And that's the way of markets. Um, but there is stuff to make people excited about what's to come. And I had my first vaccination uh, day before yesterday, and uh, and that will happen for everybody too. And you know, it won't be perfect, but it'll change the dynamic, and we can all go back to doing what we want to do. That's great news. Congratulations. The other bright side is it's Friday afternoon. Everyone, break open a bottle of wine, kick up your feet, uh, and turn on your favorite television show. Hopefully, one of our Real Vision deep dives. Thank you for joining us, Raul. Yeah, thank you. Really enjoyed it. Have a great weekend, everybody. I Have too shall week. be partaking. In, I too shall be partaking in the wine because I've got a bunch of people for my birthday. So take Perfect. care. Happy birthday again, Ralph. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com.